0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Critically Acclaimed It's the movie review podcast that we host My name is William Bibbiani, I am a critic,
1: everybody calls me Bibbs Uh, I write for various places uh, Various places, no, hawk your wares (laughs) (laughs) That's the Klingon word for kill (laughs) Say, say, I, write, I, write, outlets, I write I write I yeah. write reviews
0: for the rap, I write some reviews for the film verdict, mm. and
1: I write for slash film Pe- as well. People might want to read what you write because, because you're quite a talented writer. Oh sir. my
0: god, you're so sweet. Um, I'm not
1: as good as Whitney Seibold. Ah, uh, pish. Um, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, I contribute to slash film. And mm. uh, Whitney is the talented critic. one. I I, uh, I I suppose I have some talents. I have talents for making dumb jokes that nobody gets. <laughs> <laughs> That's a brilliant time. Re- re- references to Shakespeare that my editors just say, "Why did you say that?" <laughs> like X song lyrics, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. that—that's—that's that's what I do over slash film. So read my articles and be wholly confused. Uh, we're reviewing uh, some four, movies, four new movies this week. Yeah, it's an eclectic uh, bunch too. Uh, because is, this is Labor Day. Well, we're, we're, it's we're, after Labor Day. It's after so Labor it's Day. The, it's early September. So how do you like my white outfit? And. Um, <laughs> You monster <laughs> <laughs> it's after labor day um my uh, so uh, yeah i got to see some uh, got to some, see some four movies this week yeah
0: i only got to see oh well, i got to see three but one of them doesn't come out until next week so right. i i miscalculated so uh we will be reviewing uh the new horror sequel the nun 2 uh the new indie drama scrapper Uh, I believe it's a documentary,
1: State of the Unity. State yeah, it's a documentary film. It's a a music documentary. Okay. And then there's one more horror film called Eight Found Dead. Eight Found, which is, uh, well, we'll
0: get to Eight Found Dead. We'll get to that. Uh, Before we um, uh,
1: continue, I thought I would pad the show a little bit. Uh, With dead air, or do you have, like, something you wanted to talk about before we get started? No.
0: Just some, dead no, air. <laughs> <laughs> just, just some dead air.
1: Just some dead air. Just sit here and let some silence yeah. elapse. So it looks like we have a longer podcast That'd than we nice. do. I'm worried it might you be know, a short th- one. There are people who listen to these podcasts that, like, iPods and phones and what have you have... Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if people even use iPods anymore. Mm. Um, but they have a feature that lets you go through, like, audiobooks a little bit more quickly. Oh, yeah. Can, like, play them at, like, by... 1.25 speed. No, no. Yeah. They, oh. th- what they do is they, like, like scan through, uh, like, an audio file... And remove little bits of silence from in between the words. Oh, no, don't do that. So it, it sounds like somebody's just... They sound uh, like John Moshita from the Micro Machines commercials from the uh, 80s, where they're yeah. just talking really, really quick. But delivery and, uh, depends on pacing and, you know, pauses yeah, but, but, for but, drama. Oh, they just they just want the information. Uh, they don't want necessarily the, uh, you know, the dramatic reading. It's like, you know, a lot of the streaming services now have like 125% speeds. Because yeah. people just want...
0: To like, get through it they, they
1: want the info They don't necessarily yeah. want Like the drama And the pacing yeah, on it. You're thinking of A Wikipedia page
0: You can just yeah. read What happens in the story And then you don't Have to waste any time But um I like to let him play out My joke would be Totally useless If you're using That technology So let's just move on Uh The big release This weekend uh, As it always is Whenever one of these Movies comes out Is the latest film In the Conjuring universe It's uh Conjuring 8 Yeah the Conjuring Universe is one of the most lucrative horror franchises ever. They don't cost a lot of money to make, and they have collectively made over $2
1: billion. Yeah, and uh, I, think the, I think the first The Nun might have been the least expensive, or I think it's like the most profitable yes, in terms a of its of budget money. to how much it made. It made a ton mm. of money. Uh, which was
0: weird to me because I like some of those Conjuring movies. I don't like other ones of the Conjuring movies. I thought The Nun no, was... They're really inconsistent. They're massively inconsistent. And we'll talk a bit about them as a whole. But, like, the the first Nun, not a huge fan. I was really surprised to discover how successful it was. Uh, the Conjuring movies are based on the allegedly... True... Stories... Of... Just the air quotes keep getting bigger and bigger... Of uh, uh, of the Warrens. Uh, they are paranormal investigators. They were. They're no longer with us. Uh, they're paranormal investigators who uh, inserted themselves into the conversation around a lot of the more famous supernatural urban legends of the day. The Amityville Haunting, they were there for that. Uh, the Enfield Poltergeist, they were there for that. That was the plot of uh, uh, The Conjuring 2. Uh, The first Conjuring is like purported to be like half biopic. It's actually like about them and their lives played by Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. Uh, And uh, but also a horror movie because they investigated ghosts and things. And there's Mm -hmm. a Lily Taylor gets possessed and it's it's
1: a whole deal. It's the only one I haven't seen.
0: Oh, really? It's I think I've seen the
1: other the other seven films in the series, but I've not seen just the Conjuring. The first Conjuring is quite solid. It's genuinely frightening. Mm -hmm. It's
0: very classily presented. Uh, and the thing that the Conjuring movies kept doing, and this was a very smart move, uh, was every Conjuring movie would have, like, this main storyline where, you know, there's a haunting in this house or there's an evil doll or whatever, but there would almost always be one additional creature or ghost introduced that could then be exploited in a spin-off. Mm-hmm. so... The Conjuring, the Conjuring was about this one haunted house that this family moved into. But when we met the Warrens and they had already had all of their adventures, uh, they had this like room full of like cursed paraphernalia that they picked mm-hmm. up in their travels,
1: which, which the Warrens had.
0: Yeah, in, yeah. in their home, they yeah. have like this little haunted room, this like little museum, uh, and uh, behind a, a gla- in a glass case, like the most horrifying thing they ever encountered, is this doll called Annabelle. And in reality, Annabelle
1: was a Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if Raggedy Ann is really part of the pop consciousness at all. But yeah, yeah. there was a, a series of dolls and yeah. uh, comics and and stories about this this doll called Raggedy Ann and Andy. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah, L- licensed character got possessed. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, if they couldn't appeal to you know the massive Raggedy Ann estate. I think they didn't want to be
0: associated with things that terrify Mm. children i think it's probably i uh, i I get it i do uh, i do
1: i i don't like the design of the annabelle doll that they chose because it looks evil yeah they they went too far in the other direction it should look neutral instead it has like angry eyebrows and this evil looking smile like they try to make it look too scary yeah but uh because that
0: doll got built up so much in the conjuring they had a spinoff called annabelle that movie is
1: not very good. Oh, it's, it's abysmal. Yeah. But
0: then it had its own sequel called Annabelle Creation, which was a lot of fun, kind of a roller coaster ride. And then that had its own sequel, Annabelle Comes Home, which was all about, and this was one of the better films in the series, uh, the Warren's, like, teenage daughter having a sleepover at her house, and then one of the kids, like, gets into the haunted stuff room and, like, accidentally unleashes all of them. Yeah. And so it's, it's this, like... This entire like menagerie of haunted items, as a haunted TV and a haunted board game. There's a like, ghost werewolf.
1: Hmm. That movie's pretty damn cool. That's because fu- that's like a yeah. it's like a monster mash movie. Yeah, you know, all these like creatures stalking around, and you can. And it's well filmed. Like you can tell where each mm-hmm. of the monsters is, who they're stalking. It's it, it's like the good version of Saturday the Fourteenth. <laughs> sure um which, which is a terrible oh, yeah. horror comedy
0: from the early 80s uh, there was also a spin-off called the curse of la llorona which wasn't advertised as a conjuring movie but annabelle has, Zena, yeah. has flashbacks to the first annabelle and like characters within that, so yes, it is. It is officially a Conjuring mm-hmm. movie. I don't care what they try to tell you. I guess they're not very proud of that one, but it totally well because it's also a pretty
1: bad movie. It's also pretty bad. Uh, it's one of the worst films in the series. Annabelle is the worst, if you ask me. But like, it, yeah. I, I don't know. I think the first, The Nun, is the worst. Uh, well, just because it it makes. I mean, these films are pretty nonsensical. Mm-hmm. The rules of the way ghosts operate change from scene to scene mm-hmm. within a movie. Yeah, uh, it's and, very frustrating. You know what, like. Here, here's what I appreciate about the Insidious movies, which mm. kind of grew up right next to The Conjuring movies. And they were both initially directed by James Wan. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, uh, you could be forgiven for mixing them up a little bit. I think a lot but, of uh, do. <laughs> uh, the Insidious movies... Uh, Lay mythology on pretty thick, you know. It's yeah. they project your consciousness into the, the further they call it, which yeah. is the afterlife or like a ghost dimension, yeah. and they lay out the and, rules yeah, and, and they, how that works, and they and, yeah. and they repeat these rules a lot, so you actually yeah. kind of know the way the ghosts operate almost to a frustrating degree, and sometimes you <laughs> know those ones, you know, a little too much. Mm. This one, who knows? Um, yeah. In well, the Conjuring Two, mm-hmm. uh, Elaine Warren is played by uh, Vera Vir- Vir- Yeah attracted the attention of this demon that took the form of a nun. Yeah. And they explain, I think, in The Nun that she was originally a nun who was possessed by a demon. Something like that. It's something like that. It's really not important. It's uh, just an evil nun. It's just an evil nun, and it like manifested yeah. in this portrait in The Conjuring too, And then uh, The Nun takes place in the 1950s, like 20 years before, mm-hmm. when... Uh, they first encountered this demon nun.
0: Yeah. And it's at this like really far away convent in the middle of nowhere, which is in this like creepy gothic looking castle Probably filmed in Romania. Probably filmed in Romania. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's filmed. I I actually liked the way that movie is overall kind of presented because it's got this very arch hammer horror vibe. Everything is really kind of over the top in its production design and its costume design. Uh, and I think that's a fun sort of just a fun vibe. And it sets it apart a little bit from the yeah. other films in The Conjuring series because it feels almost almost hokey in a fun way.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I appreciate... Oh, sorry, Whitney.
1: sorry. That's my phone. I apologize for that.
0: And I appreciate Corin Hardy directed that one. And I appreciate that Corin Hardy seemed to believe that the film wasn't actually going to terrify you. So it should at least entertain you. And he puts a lot of Energy into it And there's a lot of Really weird Silly moments in it Like uh, there's a bit Where it's It's Damien Bashir
1: Demian Bashir, right? yeah Yeah
0: uh, He plays uh, A priest Who is accompanied By a psychic nun Played by Vera Farmiga's Sister Taisa hmm. Uh 20 years younger Than Vera Yeah, yeah And they They Look, look like she really looks like a younger similar, version yeah. of Vera like so, to like, the extent that we kept assuming the twist would be she would eventually grow leave. Up to be Elaine Warren yeah. yeah even though her name is Irene in the movie yeah but she's sister Irene you can change that it's mm. like maybe that's a name that was given to her or something but um that still doesn't happen it's like you, you want it to happen it makes so much sense do it and they won't they refuse um anyway they go to investigate the series of strange murders at this Uh, A castle that might have been built on the mouth to hell or something like that. And -hmm. there's this one scene where Damien Bashir and he's tortured by like an exorcism that went wrong. And he hears like that child that he may have accidentally murdered uh, out in this spooky graveyard. And he investigates the spooky graveyard and he ends up following this like mysterious noise into a mysteriously open grave. And then he falls into the grave and then a coffin door slams on him. And then all of a sudden the grave is completely filled and that's scary enough. That's kind of creepy, yeah, okay. right? And then the camera pulls out and his name is engraved on the stone because the ghosts <laughs> thought that would be funny. <laughs> That's just Which that one like, toke over the line where it just makes it, it's that, like, that's not even scary, that's just like, silly it's now. It's like
1: watching the a, a Christmas carol, like yeah. Scrooge seeing his own death. That I'm, I'm not like,
0: saying that's not fun, that's I am mean. also saying that like you kind of put too many hats on each hat, yeah. and then they're just not well, really scary anymore.
1: Now, now the series is just a stack of hats. Like yeah. There's not even a person under there anymore, it's just... Yeah hats as far hats all the yeah. way down you had a premise and, uh, and then you just kept adding to it and
0: adding to it and whatever mm-hmm. connected it to any sense of reality is mostly gone i think with the with the nun 2 uh which is directed by michael chavez who had previously done a couple other films in the series um i think they're trying for parts of it to get us to take the characters in their world seriously, so that we'll mm. care if they live or die. But then he'll also do completely absurd shit like, with all uh, the ghost stuff. Makes no sense.
1: Yeah. So the Nun Two takes place partly at a boarding school. Yeah. In, uh, somewhere in France. Yeah. And a boarding school that has seven students. Like it's never seen like with yeah. full classrooms. It's classroom like
0: it's like some bullies and the nice kid. Who the mm. nice kid? Her mom is a teacher. She either hasn't noticed the bullying
1: or doesn't care. Yeah. Either way, she's really bad at this. And uh, and wouldn't you know it? There's shenanigans afoot. There's shenanigans. a there's a a, a sexy gardener who is in the first the nun. Yeah, he's, that he's like the connecting material. And
0: at the end of and, uh, the nun, he and they they don't play coy about this at all. Like from frame one, they assume you know this. Uh, the nun found its way into his body. That's how the nun escaped. Yeah. And he's been possessed by the nun. And every once in a while, he goes catatonic and the nun goes... Ah.
1: Like like some... The, the nun... What the nun can do is mm. broad. Yeah. Uh, so whatever, it, it's possessing his body, but sometimes be, it, yeah. like, leaves his body and hangs out in a haunted chapel for a little bit. Yeah. Sometimes it manifests other ghost monsters that kind of stalk mm-hmm. around the hallways. That's not the same goat demon as the nun. There's at least one like, time there's... when it teleports
0: to like another town, one hour's drive away. Yeah. And it's just, just there, because, yeah. and it's one of those things where because the nun, it, it, it's almost like Roger Rabbit. I can do anything as long as it's funny. Uh, like, you know, the, r- the rules don't apply so long as it's funny. And with the nun, the rules don't apply as long as it would be scary. Theoretically. Yeah. Um, because the nun is so OP, and she can like levitate you and immolate you and all other things that rhyme, and a it sounds really scary because it just doesn't feel like there's any anything grounding it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but b you know the characters still are are responsible for saving the day. It's not one of those like super bleak horror movies where everyone's got to die. You know, this is kind of like a almost a comic book superhero thing, mm. where they're going to overcome these obstacles and save the day. How? We, there's <laughs> there's moments in this in this movie where uh, Teresa Farmiga is back, and now she's accompanied by a younger nun played by Storm Reed. Um mm. and they're investigating and, all the, the and nun they,
1: stuff. And they introduce the Storm Reed character in this really interesting way that they yeah. never follow through with. Yeah. Like she was sent to this convent uh because she's a nun as well yeah. uh, by her mother and she's like the, now, the by her bat- father or by the- her father that's yeah, right yeah. um who, and she's like the, the the bad girl nun like she smokes cigarettes and yeah. mouths off at mother superior and they and, never uh, talk about no, that again no, no, doesn't no. smoke anymore because you know
0: smoking isn't very addictive and certainly nobody did it in the in the 50s and 60s no no no
1: <laughs> And, and she's a black woman in the 50s, and they mm-hmm. don't bring up that, that at all. There's um, no
0: mention about how that would affect, like, the way that she navigated mm-hmm. an extremely racist world. Um, which, honestly, the, the movie isn't really about that. If that was the only thing wrong with it, I'd be like, oh, maybe. But, it... anyway, my point is this. The nun attacks a lot. And what do you do with this powerful being with... No real weaknesses to speak of. It's not like you can, like, put salt in a circle and you'll be safe in the circle, or they're, you know, bronze. Bronze kills nuns. That's kind of things. Um, <laughs> bronze kills I nuns. I don't know. Some random mineral, often, a lot of the time. No. Why silver? I don't fucking know. It's available. The, uh, uh, so what are they going to do? Some, there's one moment where Storm... Someone's like, is possessed by the nun or whatever. Stormree really just jumps on him. Like, no, as I'm if that's going starting... to solve the problem. There's a bit I... where they hide in a room and I'm like, we just saw the nun teleport to another town. You're telling me it can't find you in the next room? Yeah. yeah I, uh,
1: what am I supposed to do with this? There's a scene in uh, Army of Darkness, yeah. which is a comedy film. A, it's broad a, comedy a slapstick play, yeah. farce of a film. I love the film. I, I really... Uh, I love where, it, too, but tonally, it's very different. Uh, but uh, the main character falls into a pit where there's demons hanging out. Yeah. And he's really, there's, like, a short moment where he's really scared, and the camera's moving kind of slow. And yeah, the like, demon could my, be anywhere. demon, like, reaches up out of the water. Like, you just see some hands for a second, then they disappear uh. before he sees them. Uh, and then it lurches up out of the, the water in front of him. And starts growling. And he screams. He's terrified. And then it grabs him by the shirt... And just starts punching him in the face. Like a Popeye cartoon. Yeah, like, 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 yeah. It starts doing, like, kung fu. It's like, this is a monster. you think it would, like, pull his skull out like, of his face. It skin, literally you know? does that wind-up move, like... Yeah, it ah, kind of, like, winds up the fist ah, and punches. That's hilarious, because yeah. it's a monster. Why is it just punching this guy in the jaw? Yeah. Like, a person could do that. Yeah, yeah. It makes the monsters like a lot less threatening, and a lot more cartoony, which yeah. is fine for something like Army of Darkness because it's
0: a broad and comedy. And it's
1: death for something like The Nun too, which is presumably trying to scare me. There's this. It, this is a film that borders. Mm. on that kind of sam Raimi stupidity yeah without realizing how fun that is there, there's a, everything kind of th-
0: th- by the way we're not talking about the plot because there basically is none yeah all right there they <laughs> there is none uh but like the the vatican's like hey a bunch of people are dying in europe we think the nun is back uh would you please go investigate this nun And is like uh no and they're like you gotta well, She's I, like ah crap
1: i i i like that um Sister Irene is now, like, the go-to Vatican agent for exorcisms. Yes. Yeah. But she gets
0: none of the respect, and I actually like this when there's, there's this cute minute, uh, bit at the beginning I like, uh. where she's staying at this other convent, new characters, we've never seen him before, uh, and uh, the nuns are like, you know, they're like uh, peeling potatoes for dinner and they're all sitting in a circle and they're just telling stories and they're telling a story about this priest and this nun who went to this creepy convent and like, spat Jesus's blood in a, in an evil nun's face and that's sealed a portal to hell somehow and isn't that cool and uh, hey whatever happened to that priest oh he got promoted he got like everyone really loved him and everything like that what happened to that nun demoted <laughs> just sent <laughs> back down to some nun yeah. somewhere and Sister Irene's just like I'm not even gonna say anything I'm not even gonna I, I could tell him right now but I'm not gonna. I find
1: it uh, I, I'm not Catholic so I find it very strange that there's like a ranking system with, mm-hmm. within the clergy of the yeah. Catholic Church. Like, th- sure. There's like, you know, Pope Mother is like, superior the Pope is like, like yeah. fleet admiral, and then yeah. there's like all these other like secondary Arch- admirals, like the cardinals and archbishops. Regular bishop, and, yeah. 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 and like, only the Pope can talk to God. Like, there's this hierarchy. Yeah. So, you can give them a note. Yeah, can like just it, be like, hey, pass, Paul, you know, pass pass, you pass, pass. <laughs> a century later, your prayer gets to God. Yeah, hey, uh... God, do you like me? Check this box. <laughs> <laughs> You'll uh, know when you get to I, heaven. I, I, I don't guess. mean to be. I don't uh... mean to be
0: offensive to Catholicism. Although here's the thing: I feel like these conjuring movies kind of are offensive to Catholicism Absolutely in a way they because are. they're they're showing you yeah. all of these like cartoonishly over the top. Superhero demon stories, and they're really overlooking, for the most part. I think The Conjuring One and Two do a better job of this than the other movies. But for the most part, they're kind of overlooking the actual the spiritual aspect, yeah, the spiritual <laughs> tenets of the faith. The, mm. There's this one's Oh, I'm, I'm going to swish the blood of Christ in my mouth and spit it in a demon nun. That's yeah. literally a thing that happens in the last movie. Uh, and the demon the nun goes ah. Um,
1: do unto others, I guess. Like, I don't really, what are we yeah, supposed the, to do with this? Which, it, uh, which rather reminds me of our Lord Jesus. We just, uh, yeah. we just
0: did a commentary track on our Patreon. It's Patreon exclusive, uh, for The Exorcist. We did it after mm. William Friedkin passed away. And, uh, and that's a movie that is a horror movie about Catholicism specifically, and it's sort of, it's dogma, but it's also about
1: spirituality. Mm. Very specifically. Like f- faith and hopelessness. Yeah. yeah. Those, those kinds of things. And, um, it, at the time, and we talked about this in the commentary track, uh, a lot of people felt that even something like The Exorcist, which compared to The Nun, too, is like classy as fuck. Well, it's still uh, classy as fuck. It's actually. still a pretty classy film. Like, there's film. some uh, messed up gory stuff that happens in it, but it's very intelligently but made. But there, there were some criticisms at the time when it came out mm-hmm. in the 70s that it was doing that. It was sort of sensationalizing the Catholic faith, mm-hmm. using it as sort of a... a an action movie weapon yeah. rather than an excuse a of, for violence. Yeah, basically. exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, f- fast forward, you know, mm. f- 50 years and here we have the nun too. Here, here we have the nun two where they're I mean, we've already passed through uh, priests blessing squirt guns, and they're squirting holy water in the faces of vampires in movies. That yeah. ha- that happened years ago. Yeah. Uh, so that, again, that's another movie with a different tone, though. I, I suppose so, but yeah. you know, we're we're just sort of further down that rabbit hole of stupidity, well, I'm, I'm, where the actual yeah. Catholic faith has nothing to do with this, and they're yeah. just using it as. A certain flavor of magical power, and ultimately the the nun too starts to feel like just a really dumb superhero movie. It it's... does, and that's then this is the frustrating. Like I can handle it when it's a movie about a killer doll,
0: and a priest just comes in, and is like, oh, you got a killer doll problem. I guess we got to deal with that. I can handle it if it's just a haunting. Like, I, but I feel like if you're actually making a demon dress like a nun and kill clergy members, that's its stick. and you have nothing to say or talk about. When it comes to the Catholic faith or just spirituality in general, really, other than there's like one moment early on where Storm reads like, hey, isn't it kind of weird that like we, we believe in things like this is the blood of Christ and then this wine is supposed to be the blood of Christ all of a sudden. Isn't that kind of weird? And then later on, it's like, yeah, but you know that the belief is what makes it so like that's it. Everything that I just said is as hard as The Nun to sells that. <laughs> like, there's a plot point later that kind of literalizes some of the Catholic, you know, sort of dogma or, or ritual. Uh, and it, in a very comically over-the-top way, which I kind of enjoyed, actually. But it's called The Nun. You have nothing to say about that? That's so weird. People's People have so much wrapped up. In religion and spirituality and faith and believing that their religion is better than others or all this kind of stuff, there's so much fear and anxiety. And on the opposite end of that, beauty and hopefulness. Mm. We're doing none of that. We're just none no, of that. None. none. <laughs> but
1: that's, that, was, that's, that's, that should be the next movie. None of that. Please. Uh,
0: but like, this is just random
1: monster in a school. Like, you mm. really just. It's well, just kind of pointless, which is annoying. What the Conjuring movies are doing is, is yeah. you know, the cinematic universe thing, the thing that Marvel popularized, uh, or yeah. maybe Harry Potter, if you like. Um, and really only the Conjuring but, is, has been able to capitalize on that since. But the idea is uh, they're banking on audiences caring about the vast interlocking mythology of the movie series above everything else. They don't care about, like, the actual themes or the actual plot of the individual chapters. They just Uh want to see how these things fit together in a broader tapestry. I think audiences are kind of over that. I think because Marvel Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. kind Kind of of... faltering and uh, deflating pretty rapidly. I think at best, Um, people are
0: taking Marvel for granted now rather mm -hmm. than thinking it's special. Yeah. Which,
1: fine. They they got away with that for, like, 15 years. For, like, 15 years like,
0: 30 fucking movies. Like, good. And honestly, they're still they still make some money. I'm sure it'll be fine. It just no longer feels like the event it used to be. Mm. Which, again, fine. But the difference is that Marvel is power fantasy action movies, mm. for the most part. There's a little variation, but mostly well, that's um, uh, that's the vibe. Mm. The Conjuring is horror, and horror is, at, at, at its core, something that's a little bit more, like, subconscious and subjective. Um, even if you make, like, a broad... Version of a horror story. You're still trying to connect with something that people
1: are actually afraid of, are, are afraid yeah. of or at
0: least at least
1: repulsed
0: by. Ideally, you know? yes, like, but I,
1: I understand. I understand that that's what a, a horror film ought to do. Even bad horror films can yeah. tap into real fears. Yeah, uh, but you know To repeat myself, the yeah. the idea is, it doesn't really matter what the genre is. The idea of an of a, like a, a cinematic universe is supposed to be the selling point now. Mm-hmm. It can be any genre. Yeah. Uh, And I think The Conjuring were graceful about it because they didn't really try... Like, they set things up and they made references. Mm -hmm. But more than anything, they just sort of said, and these are all kind of connected. Yeah. And uh, over the course of the movies, you get the idea that this is sort of like a dark world where demons are constantly lurking. Yeah. But they weren't like teaming up there's no underlying plots yeah like there's no conspiracy which i think is why they work so well yeah they kind of were trying to tell these individual stories they're only tangentially connected and you can jump in and out you don't have to keep up with all of them and i mean yeah they're not
0: making as much money as the marvel movies are but they're costing infinitely less Mm. so if a conjuring movie makes sixty five million million. Yeah, yeah. they already did that this weekend, but yeah. like if, if a conjuring movie makes 50 or $70, $70 million and it costs 15. Awesome. Yeah. You're in the black. Yeah. You don't have to attract that, that size of an audience. So even if the audience is just only following this because mm-hmm. eh, the conjuring movies are usually good for a jump scare or two, that's enough. It's, um, kind of low ambition really. Uh, Again, though, this series is, like, guy, its ups and downs. And there's definitely movies I like within it. The Nun is not one of those movies. And it's weird. I, I'm so used to being... One of the reasons why I got into film criticism, and I've mentioned this a lot, is that I felt that there were certain films that a lot of mainstream critics weren't giving a fair shake to. I just got yeah. this general vibe... That Mm -hmm. there's a lot of film critics, respectable film critics, people whose opinion I might trust in a lot of contexts, but whose opinions I do not trust when it comes to horror. Yeah. I just don't think... The occasional horror film they'll get behind, super intelligent and classy, your get-outs, your exorcists, whatever. But when it came down to maybe mixed bag films or schlock or films that were trying something very bold and experimental, but they're being judged by outdated criteria, I would... And even as a critic, I would go see a lot of these movies, and I would emerge thinking I just saw something that was either great or at least pretty good or interesting, and only to find out that everyone else in the theater hated it. Uh, and I was very disappointed. But you know, it's subjective. Mm-hmm. It's life. Yeah. I, I left this theater, and a lot of other people were really into it, and I'm like, I,
1: I, I what, I, yeah, what no. happened to me? <laughs> You're on the other side of that. Now. Oh no! Have I become everything well, I've keep... always hated? Well, I mean, the generation passed. Uh, uh, the, the coin flipped to the complete other side, okay. where uh, uh, mm. the 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 schlock was being given uh, its due consideration, overdue consideration, way too much consideration, yeah. and a lot of the prestige pictures are now being completely ignored. Yeah, uh, but here's here's the thing though: with horror, uh-huh. even though there's a lot more vocal critics who
0: enjoy horror, there's. St- Still a general vibe. For example, I mentioned that a lot of critics that I know personally or that I follow mm. really like The Nun. It's still at
1: 46% on Rotten Tomatoes. Out of how many reviews? Who? who who's... 89. 89 80, out of 89 critics... Less, like than about, half, about less than less half. Less than half gave f- it yeah. even like a begrudging thumbs up. Yeah, now yeah. again, Rotten, 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 Rotten Tomatoes is fucked. Rotten Tomatoes, there's been a lot Rotten. of... Also, there's a lot of ballot box stuffing. yeah, Those numbers... I've never treated those numbers very seriously. Anyway, no, no. But, uh, my point
0: is simply this. You know... There's a general just sort of... I see people who've kind of enjoyed a certain horror movie and still said it was bad because of mm. X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, no, you enjoyed it. You enjoyed it on its level. I don't get it. Mm. But in this case, I just happen to think this one is quite insipid. Yeah, and it's yeah.
1: really it's, frustrating. Well, it's, it, it's not... It, it's not just insipid. It's also dumb. Like it's not Mm -hmm. thinking out its structure. It's not giving its characters their due. It's not, it doesn't have monsters that make sense. Uh, there's a few jump scares where there's just loud, loud Mm. banging, but there's nothing genuinely like frightening or disturbing about it. Um, there's not an effort to make these images like really creepy. Yeah. Uh, the the nun, and I'm not one of those macho assholes who like rolls the, Oh, that's not scary. But yeah. the nun doesn't is...
0: have to be scary to be good a horror movie. I,
1: I think it helps. It helps, but I kind of bristle at that notion. I, now, I a think... horror film shouldn't be a horror film because uh, I think it's it not should be film.
0: about fear. But just if. I think a horror film isn't necessarily bad just because it doesn't hit the specific thing that hurts you. I suppose like so. it can it can be very, very uh, scary to other people, but like I'm not scared of spiders, so I don't no. care about arachnophobia. That one doesn't freak me out. But, but that uh, doesn't mean it's bad. You know? There's a
1: way to design, you know, monsters or, or yeah. you know, creatures or images, ghosts to uh, where they are wielded well. They mm-hmm. actually are scary. The nun feels like a Halloween costume. Yeah. You know, when it feels like I could get it at the local spirit store, mm-hmm. a spirit Halloween store, uh, it it feels a lot. It feels too artificial. And, and not, I, and not I feel just that the way.
0: costume, the vibe. Yeah, the like vibe the of it. I, I felt
1: that way about the clown in the new It movies. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's that's a rubber mask. Like good yeah. special effects, but like
0: that's how I felt about the clown in the second It movie. I think the first yeah. one was scary, but I see your point. Yeah, just like yeah. they
1: they made it a little bit too cartoony haunted house and. Yeah. And I feel that way about the nun. It's like okay, they, they uh, Bonnie Ahrens is the name of the actress who plays the nun, yeah. uh, Valak the yeah. nun. Very little and is the, asked of her, which is frustrating. She mostly just yeah, stands there and goes ah. Uh, yeah, and and she's tall, sharp featured person. No, yeah, she, she she does
0: what the, her job. It's just unfortunate that that's all that's asked of her. Yeah, she just kind yeah. of like
1: growls and seethes. Yeah, uh, Seeds. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they they like uh, they gave her this makeup where they tried to like make her eyes look sunken, but she doesn't look demonic. She looks like you could do that at home. For the most so, part there's a couple so, of demonic shots. So when the, yeah, so when the nun shows up it's like, oh, there it is again. Yeah. I know what it looks like. It's like watching uh, you know a Nightmare on Elm Street part 5. Yeah. Freddy showing up isn't terrifying anymore because you know what he looks like. He's in you know bright lights and shining up under his hat. You know, you just kind of yeah. know what he looks like.
0: Uh, I will say this because we've been very, you know, very critical Of this film, and I think the Mm -hmm. film warrants it. There's one thing about this movie that I think is great. One element. Okay. And that is Thaisa Formiga.
1: She brings...
0: Again, she doesn't have much to work with, but she brings a certain genuineness to her character where she's balancing being a pious, innocent person who has also seen some shit and will do what is necessary to defeat evil even though and so much of this movie is just Thaisa formiga getting the crap kicked out of her you pointed out it's like practically like uh, like bruce campbell in an evil yeah. bad movie maybe not quite that extreme but only because she doesn't have as much screen time but like seriously she gets like thrown through walls mm. she gets set on fire like she's and and she
1: keeps coming uh-huh. She
0: just keeps, she takes a lick it and she keeps on ticking. See, if, and if I they think started she's great.
1: after If they had started to, after a while, just go down the completely ridiculous path of, yeah. like, a, a Sam Raimi picture. Just and she, like, lands on her... her feet and kind of, like, does that thumb against her nose <laughs> as she's about to box. Like, oh, come on. And, like, she starts, like, yeah. cussing at the nut. Like, that, if they had gone, mm. st- like, even stupider, yeah. it would have been a lot more enjoyable. I
0: agree. I think that this, this and here's the here's the irony. I didn't particularly care for The First Nun. I think it had some atmosphere and was kind of energetic, but I didn't think it was very good.
1: Oh, it's nonsense. It
0: It is. It is nonsense.
1: The First The Nun is terrible. It is nonsense.
0: Watching The Nun 2 makes me like The Nun 1 more because at the very least it had energy. At the very least it had atmosphere. Oh, I'm not sure if I agree with that, but uh, okay. Seriously, I was watching this and I was like, I'd rather be watching The Nun. And I never thought that before. (laughs) Like, I <laughs> what, saw the nun in the theater, would, what, I was what like, else would
1: you rather be watching the nun? Like
0: I saw I saw the nun in a the theater and I was like, eh, you know, it could be worse, I guess. And then I put it out of my head. I had no desire to ever watch it again. And now I'm watching the nun too, and all I can think of is how much I'd rather be watching the nun. So there's that. <laughs> anyway, we should move on.
1: What's so special about hero bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0-1 grams of net carbs, 5-11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Uh, What do you want to talk about next? Um, What do you want to hear about next? I don't know. you know what why don't we we'll do another horror movie we'll do a horror movie uh i want to talk about eight found dead i guess um because eight found dead is kind of sneaking into theaters um this is a film i saw at a film festival last year so um and it was something really unusual about this film festival i went to it was uh uh, it was beyond fest it it wasn't it wasn't beyond fest it was uh fright fest fright fest sorry and um I watched many films for this., uh, you know, I sat on the jury. And the bulk of the movies were either about influencers, mm-hmm. horror films about like the horrors that influencers find. Sure. or they were about, and this is now a whole subgenre. Haunted or creepy BNBs, Airbnbs, Airbnbs, not not bed and breakfast. We've had those before. No, I mean, like, like the, uh, the modern phenomenon, ho- home rentals. Like Barbarian is about an Airbnb, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's uh, there's also one called the Rental. There's one called Superhost, yeah. and there, there's also Eight Found Dad. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't have the anxiety of of an Airbnb. I've stayed mm-hmm. in a couple. And I've never yep, gone in can... and thought, this is creepy. Mm-hmm. There's something here, something weird about staying in someone else's house. It's like, yeah. how is that any weirder than staying in a hotel? Uh, like other people have lived. People died in those rooms. But, you know, you like know in you the know, hotel, No, no yeah. matter what, if you go to like a giant hotel in Vegas. Yeah the chances are really good that multiple people have died in those have hotels died in there mm. something tragic has happened mm. in there people have like broken up in there
0: mm. there's there's full of history and probably not all of it good mm. and some of it probably pretty mundane people going to like a you know, convention just, and watching it go, TV going you know, to bed going, but, but, going there reading the a yeah, bar that's, that's how I do ho- it but, hooking up
1: with strangers whatever they're doing yeah. uh, it, pretty plain things but yeah probably uh, bad things as well it's mm, just yeah, the so, you. you're right But yeah, something about the Airbnb has tapped into the horror film market. And, um, Eight Found Dead, uh, is trying to be, and I don't mean this in a positive way, clever about it.
0: (laughs) You're the clever.
1: (laughs) It's trying to try, you're trying to be cute. Um, so it's about two couples. They've agreed to go to this Airbnb, like a very remote one because they're always remote. Of course. And, um. and they go at different times, like they're coming from different places, and they have their own personal dramas. There's like some relationship dramas going on. And uh, they're going to arrive at different times, and one of the couples arrives first. And wouldn't you know it, it's it been double booked. Yeah. Oh, it's Whereas, Barbarian again. It's Barbarian again. Great. Only uh, This is probably
0: made around the same time as Barbarian.
1: I, and I saw it before Barbarian, so, yeah, so as far so as I'm concerned... It's, the, I'm not you know, accusing bar- bar- of ripping it off, I'm just yeah. saying
0: it's, it's now...
1: Well, I mean, we're starting we're starting I, I, to develop some tropes. Like I said, this is yeah. now a whole subgenre. Exactly. There are some tropes, exactly. But uh, let me look up the name of uh her the actress is named uh, Roseanne L- Limeris, I think. Okay. And she looks just like Lynn Shea. I thought it was Lynn Shea for a second oh. from the insidious movie. Okay. Uh she and uh, her husband uh who is played by a oh Guy. Engelbert Humperdinck. Not Engelbert Humperdinck, Patrick Joseph Rieger. That was close. Uh, these they're sort of like an older couple and they're really upbeat and like, Oh, we're here too. And we're here to drink and have fun. Oh, look a younger couple. Why don't you come in and infuse us with your youthful energy and we'll say flirty things and be a little bit inappropriate. And, and the the young couple is like, Oh, I don't know about this. One couple's there already. Now the movie started with eight people dead. So that's the title of the movie. Eight found dead. So Uh we're, we're, this is all the title alone is giving
0: you some indication of what might happen.
1: So, uh, we see that, and simultaneously, and it's a little confusing, but I think the editing handles it pretty well. Mm. While we see that happening with one couple, we're seeing it simultaneously happen with the other couple, mm-hmm. and you're not sure who arrived first. Okay. But you know they're all fucking doomed. Okay. All right. That's kind of yeah. creepy. That can work. Yeah. And so yeah. We, we got these three couples and, you know, other, and at least two other ancillary victims besides. Yeah. Uh, kind of wandering in. And uh, the, this trying to play with the chronology makes it really energetic. Mm. Uh, and the the two lead uh, the kind of villain characters, this older couple, because of course they're up to something sinister because they're in both stories, but the couples, yeah, the, the two younger couples not, never yeah, meet. Yeah, uh, You know they're the ones who are up to something and they're a little too chipper and a little too happy. And eventually they start doing creepy things like I'm going to go into the other room and put on clown makeup. Why are you gonna do that? That's weird. Eh, kink. And, uh, yeah. Well, again, is this a yeah. kink? Is this like a serial killer thing? Mm-hmm. It's a serial killer thing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they give it away right away. There's yeah. not not, not going to be a surprise here. It's just more a, a matter of watching the machine unfold rather yeah. than revealing the surprise. There's a
0: certain uh, uh, dread. Mm. Is it, suspense is like, will we get out of this? Mm. You know, will we survive? Will we be able to defuse the ticking bomb? Dread is the suspicion that we won't. Yeah. And we're kind of marching inexorably towards
1: mm. our doomed fate. Which which I... It can there, be scary. It can be scary and I kind of appreciate it. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I've seen thousands of horror movies. Uh, and there is a, a kind of tedious inevitability to a lot of them. Mm. We know how these people are all going to be meat at the end. Uh, you know, a good, a good slasher film will... Sort of hoodwink you a little bit. You don't mm-hmm. know who's going to survive. Yeah, exactly. So, you you know, might be surprised that who yeah, so, makes the cut. Uh, oh no, so things. that, yeah. this character I liked got I thrilled. know, yeah. Uh, but, you know, if they're not made well, yeah. y- you know the film as soon as it begins. Yeah. There can be charm to that banality. Mm-hmm. Uh, as any horror film buff can tell you, or any mm-hmm. action film buff can tell you, sort of seeing the same tropes repeated can provide a comforting sort of a thrill. Uh, if, if they're done well, good. If they're not, sometimes they could just hit you on, uh, just a, a lizard brain base kind of a level. It's right. not, not appealing to your emotions. It's just sort of appealing to your senses. Uh, so, uh, by showing us sort of who dies right up front, you, you, you take away the pretense that this is supposed to be building yeah. tension. Yeah. You kind of understand you, we understand why we're here. We're going to see these people die. And there's a kind of appealing bleak nihilism to that that might mm-hmm. appeal to a horror film, a horror fan. I feel like uh, Eight Found Dead doesn't hit quite as hard as it might want. I like mm-hmm. that its energy is high. I like that it really attempted and tried something uh, novel with this sort of out of chronological order presentation. Mm-hmm. Um Ultimately, though, that nihilism never hits, hmm. that there's this sort of in giving yourself over to death because that's just sort of the inevitability of life, that uh, crucial hopelessness that it sort of belongs in a horror, just something that's really going to terrify you, is kind of missing from Eight Found Dead. It's actually a little bit more of a thrill ride. Okay. Uh, Is that fun to a, ride? A, if you can get away it, with that, ish. Um, it, okay. It's it go. It's really short and it goes on too long. Like it's eighty five minutes and it still feels like it's going on too long. Uh-huh. It feels like a, a short that got out of hand. Uh-huh. You could get this across in thirty five minutes. Yeah. Um. So it, you know, it's I I want people to support indie horror if it sounds interesting to you. This uh, kind of novel way of approaching a this very new and unique genre then you know go for it support the indie horror film but it's not great okay. could, could have been a lot better all right, all
0: right. uh let will talk about a film that i do think is great because we've had a couple of yeah. scrapper scrapper is delightful scrapper is a film about a kid a kid uh, is is played by lola Campbell. her name is georgie uh, her mother has died, she has no father in the picture, mm. and she has and been gaming the social security system and, and, so she can yeah. live alone.
1: She's living with her uncle, so she says to the social security system.
0: Yeah, and she's been like, just sort of tricking people into thinking she has a support system, but she's smart enough that she can make ends meet by herself, she's getting a social security check, she's got a, a hustle on the side where she's stealing bicycles and selling them. Um, and she's like, what is she, like, 11 She's twelve. She's twelve. I think but, they say she's okay.
1: twelve.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's she's still a kid, uh, and into her world where she's established a kind of equilibrium. It's not very healthy. It's probably not sustainable for long. But she's
1: in. She's she's in a groove, and she uh, and she's keeping the house really uh, pristine for her her yeah. dead mother. She's she's clearly like.
0: She she's clearly very capable,
1: hmm.
0: but into her life suddenly comes a guy claiming to be her father. Uh, He is by the guy from Triangle of Sadness. Yes. Yes. And his name is something or other. Uh, Harris Dickinson. Harris Dickinson. Harris Dickinson. uh, He also played uh, Richard Attenborough in that mystery movie. See how they run. Uh, Oh, yeah. 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 He was in uh, where the crawdads sang, which didn't see. Um, he's, he's apparently building up steam. Uh, And this is the first, I I liked him in Triangle of Sadness. This is the first time I've seen him where I'm like, Oh, he's, he's got something he can click. Um, He basically moves into the house. Uh, He tries to start taking care of her, but he's also keeping his emotional distance. Uh, He understands that she really can't do anything about him being there because he can just tell Social Security that she's living alone. And an uneasy truce is developed. And over the course of the film, they bond. And that's kind of the whole fucking movie. It's just this little, tiny, sundance character piece. Yeah. And it relies on the charisma of the actors. This young actor is such a find. She's got just a lot of, not just charm, but actually, like, depth for, for a child actor her age. Um, Harris Dickinson actually manages to be, like, funny and aloof and sweet and shows some, like sides to his performances that I haven't seen in other films but a lot of it is just in its presentation it's written and directed by Charlotte Regan uh, uh first and time filmmaker first time I think she's done some shorts before but this is like a first, her first feature Fe- guess, yeah feature maker I guess. and it's just got this very 90s Aussie small town hmm. comedy vibe
1: <laughs> you know, it's, it's an with English like a, film. It's it, not, not. It's Australian, British, but yeah. like
0: it has that sort of like you're watching the castle. Every every minor character mm. has like a little bit more personality than you might see in an American yeah. film. Um, and there's a certain whimsy to the general overall presentation, without being like in your face with the filmmaking choices. It's yeah, just the framing uh, is a well, little funny
1: and odd. I, I've seen a couple movies that. Uh, mm. Bear similar premises About sure. you know Sort of young children Who are in dire consequences And the adults Who try to Sort of rescue them uh, Yeah uh, if, if this was a Darden Brothers movie This would be Just miserable Like uh, it would be about You know was <laughs> a well, of... kid with a the bicycle They yeah, did exactly. that Exactly kid, kid with a bike It's is, a great movie It is miserable uh, Yeah uh, Or um yeah. Uh, Hirokazu Kora Ada's Nobody Knows which is about mm. several children Who are just abandoned By their mother Yeah And they just live in, in an apartment By themselves And have to Sort of Unknowingly start To figure stuff out Right Um This film, however, isn't like those movies. Uh, Those movies uh, kind of fall into uh, misery or, uh, in their worst moments, melodrama. I wouldn't call Correta or The Mm Darden's melodramatic by any stretch. They're actually very grounded But they're very heavy drama. Exactly. Um, This is, you said, whimsical. This is like a, a strangely upbeat movie about the same topic. Yeah. And what I appreciate about this movie is it kind of cycles through tones really deftly. Mm -hmm. Um, there's some stylish fantasy elements to this movie. Like, um, uh, occasionally the filmmaker will cut to like supporting players who live in the neighborhood and they'll address the camera directly yeah. with like a new kind of film stock. Yeah, uh, as, and everything as if will this be, is a documentary, but it's not suddenly hyper stylized though, in those yeah. sequences where everything's like, uh, there's a scene where like three kids are on yellow bikes and the building behind them is yellow. Like it looks really yeah. almost Wes Anderson for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they're sort of saying like, this is an unfair life for this. Like they're addressing the, mm-hmm. the, the topic of the movie. Yeah. And so they, they kind of pull you out of reality for a little bit. So those parts are a little like strangely fantastical and whimsical, but then there's some really heartfelt moments about these characters genuinely connecting and sometimes like feeling really pained. Yeah, Uh, you can tell this. This is a twelve year old trying to figure out how to have adult emotions while feeling that really strong kid impulse to. Dismiss things and be really kind of cool about well, it. Well, to try to be an adult. Like I'm gonna, yeah. be, I
0: have to take care of myself. I don't want another adult moving in and taking yeah, in care fact, of me. In fact, it, I have to. It impersonate with the, an
1: adult who is aloof. It starts with a Chiron on screen yeah. where uh, it has an old, it, the old saying. It takes a village to raise a child, and then there's a big red marker crosses it off and just says, "I'll raise my own damn self." Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Which, that's that's the kind of attitude. It, it really has, sets yeah. the tone very very well. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like stealing bikes. Like that's mm-hmm. how she's getting by. She's stealing bikes and selling them for scrap Mm scrapper she's a scrapper uh what is her dad still a young man by the way Mm -hmm. He's like in his 20s and we see flashbacks to the mom and the mom is also quite young Mm -hmm. um like how is he going to relate to this person that he hasn't talked to in a long like Mm -hmm. in years he's never really talked to he left when she was a baby and he's not a great dad nope He's not a, a, a always on the up and
0: up. About no, in what's fact, going when on. he finds out she's stealing bikes, he's like, "You know, you have to file off the serial numbers, right?" Like he's clearly done this himself. Yeah,
1: like a, he he was like <laughs> he was like uh, it's it's a for a while like it's a bit of a mystery as to where he was during all that time. Yeah, so I guess I'll leave that part secret. But um, yeah. uh, clearly, he was up to something no good though. If he knows yeah. how to file off serial numbers, he's he, yeah, he's got it best. Uh But. Uh, You know, all of these things are a little bit sort of darker and a little bit more disturbing, Mm -hmm. a little bit uh, sort of addressing these really difficult emotions that these people are going through. But then the main character, this young girl... First time actress, you wouldn't yeah. know it. Uh, you from, never know it. She's, yeah, from the ease she has on screen, it's, it's like watching like
0: a, like Saoirse Ronan in *Atonement*. Yeah, like, very different movie, but just like, mm. oh, they're good. Yeah, and, and yeah, they could have a big career if they want.
1: One. So, she, so yeah. yeah, she's like really really whimsical and fun at one moment, but then another moment she's like really hurting. She like really yeah. kind of struggles in certain scenes. There's there's a there's a bit I like in this movie, and it's something that I think.
0: You know, there's a lot of, uh, movies have a lot of storytelling tropes that we rely on, like, a lot for big narrative moments. But life and civilization and technology is changing some of them so that we they don't really always apply. And here, this movie has an example where, uh, you know, in a lot of movies, there would be, like, a picture of, like, someone, like, going through old photographs, an old drawer of photographs, a shoebox full of photographs, a photo album, and they'd cry. hmm all of her photographs are on her phone. It's like the only record she has of her mother. Uh-huh. And there's a moment, I won't say what happens or, or how it, whether or not it gets resolved, where it looks like she might have lost her phone. And everyone's like, get a new phone. Hmm. And she's like, she can't tell anybody this, but that's her mom. Yeah, yeah. There's an impermanence to, like, the record now. Because very much changed a lot of these beats that we would normally get in a movie like this. That the movie addresses while still feeling, you know, kind of familiar. Again, it really does have, like, a... I wanted to tell a coming-of-age kind of quirky story on a low budget with a small cast, and I'm going to let the personality shine through, kind of Sundance vibe, you know. Just look at me. Look at look at how good this movie I can make is. Um. So there's a little formulaic element to it. Uh, but it feels very well thought out, and hmm. it feels like it's just made... By someone who
1: has something to add to the yeah, tradition of this kind of film. Uh, yeah. Uh, people are, I, I suspect people are going to compare this to something. Like, did you see After Sun from last year? Uh, which is another movie about I, a, I, a, a, a father and a daughter. Uh, really I'm going to be perfectly frank about After Sun. Mm. Uh, After
0: Sun, because of some of the storytelling elements, mm. is one of those movies that just spikes my anxiety. Oh, yeah. And I had a screener, cool. and I started watching it, and I realized, I'm not going to be able to finish this in good mental health. Okay.
1: So I noped uh, out of it. It
0: was good what I saw. If you're, a, I'm not judging
1: the film. It just, yeah. I
0: couldn't handle it that day.
1: If, if there's a, a day when your fortitude is running high, I yeah. recommend you get back to it, because sure. it, it is excellent. But, um... Uh, this is the opposite. It's the same kind of a story in mm-hmm. that it's about a, a father and a daughter like trying to, to reconnect, but mm. uh it's completely opposite cuz yeah, that it's very, w- w- very one happy. is one is very grounded and very real and yeah. this one's actually kind of lighter. Um so many things I like about this movie. It's so um so cute.
0: It's, it's in a
1: good way, not not in a not but in a
0: superficial way.
1: It, but yeah. it, it's not just cute. Like I yeah. think there's actually some serious things going Agreed. on. There's some yeah. um, uh, a wonderful line of dialogue where um, her be- the best friend character uh, kind of kind of likes the father comes yeah. back into like like slightly older boy. Is this the vampire um, thing, not the vampire thing. Although uh, that was cute, um, yeah. but uh, no, he, he just asks her very casually. It's like so they say there's like seven stages of grief. Yeah, which one are you on now? Um, probably acceptance i don't know like <laughs> what stage are you on i thought yeah. that was really really kind of that, sweet
0: th- my favorite bit there's a bit where uh, they're trying to figure out like where's he been this whole time and her friends just like i'm just saying you know he could have been a vampire and he could have been like you know like, hidden away yeah. and these are they're still kids they're older kids but they're still kids and there's a moment where she just hears him say that and this is her best friend and she's like i can't believe i'm friends with... that's the stupidest thing i've ever heard in mm-hmm. my life I'm really disappointed in you. Like she's genuinely disappointed in him <laughs> as a person for still thinking that. Like right now, and it's not. It's not just like oh, you're being silly. Like no, she's like I. Mm. I don't want to be seen with you. No. <laughs> like it's so damn cute. Um, yeah, seriously, that's... it's it's a scrappy movie. It's a very you know it's a it's a low budget film, but it it really is a delight mm. and. Don't don't miss this if you if this sounds like anything you'd like to see. Oh, it's it's really terrific. It's so damn It's really bad. really terrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so glad I saw it. Um, and then
1: we have one more film left. Uh, we do. Yes. And you I, saw it. I did. I, I this this is one I just sort of idly caught. I didn't. It was. I wanted to go in blind to something. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been able to just sort of go to a theater, pick a title at random, mm-hmm. and go. And have nothing and, about. And know nothing about it. So I saw a film called State of the Unity because it started at a convenient time Ooh, that uh, is the height of luxury isn't it just like I, I i need to go to a theater this is starting now i have no idea what it is i just saw an it's article. one of the few times yeah. uh, in my entire life where i was the only person in the theater oh, no. <laughs> no one else saw this with me yeah i just saw an article that was like things we took for
0: granted in the 90s that feel like a massive luxury now. Hmm. And some of them were, like, really big things, like owning a house on a single income. Right, right, And, right. like, but, like, there was other ones There was just, like, being unavailable for a while.
1: Yeah, leaving like, the house and no yeah, one can reach you. No one can yeah. reach you.
0: You don't have your phone. There's no way to connect to
1: you. You'll be back when you're back. Hmm. That's not a thing anymore. That uh, feels I, like such a... That's a vacation. I remember a, a younger person just said... It, talking to somebody my yeah. age like what did you do before cell phones and we just said pretty plainly we made plans and we showed up on time
0: yeah <laughs> we
1: don't we don't yeah. have to give them updates i'm a, where where are you is like the yeah. most common text it's like where am I? I'm on my way. You wait. Yeah. And we use
0: them to amuse ourselves in quiet moments. You take away that phone. What are you doing? I don't know. Reading? Being creative? Yeah. Thinking? You know? Like, that or was a thing we used to sh- do. Being a little bit more punctual. Timing things out a little bit sure. little differently. I'm oh, not talking yeah. about scheduling. I'm just talking about, like, oh, I got, like, ten hmm. minutes until Whitney gets here. I guess I'll play a game on my phone. Yeah. That's not an option.
1: What do I do? think. You think. Oh my God! I, I was I was actually really elated. We're off topic here, but I was elated yeah. to read a, a study once about how important boredom is for kids. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the idea yeah. that a lot of kids tr- they try to uh, pa- a lot of parents, a lot of teachers, a lot of kids try to keep themselves entertained, occupy, uh, you know, their yeah. eyes thinking about something, consuming something at every moment of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, give give them a tablet in the back of the car, so there's mm-hmm. something you know to watch and do. There's a lot of value to being in the back of the car with nothing back there, just to look out the window and be bored. Yeah. Because your mind starts operating a little bit differently in those mm-hmm. those moments. You start having start, to
0: deal with yourself.
1: Well, you're thinking yeah. about your emotions, thinking yeah. about your day, to, you know, looking at the worlds yeah. and looking at that and try to think about that. Imagining you know, things, philosophizing, you know? No, why, I, why do I feel about stuff? Mm. You know? And not that that's entertaining. It's actually the opposite of that. Yeah. But it's vi- vital for brain function. Yeah, we need that. So be bored. It's okay to be bored. It's okay. Plan to be bored. Uh, like when, give yourself like a half hour. When, One when, half yeah, hour. When, when Harvey Danger said, "If you're bored, then you're boring." They they meant that like with a layer of irony over. It. Yeah. No, like, seriously. Yeah. Give yourself like a half hour. And they put down a phone. Don't do anything. Just sit there and mm-hmm. just chill for a bit. So I, yeah, see what I, happens. So I got to do that luxurious thing that we used to yeah. do in the 90s, which is go to a theater and see what was playing and go. Yeah. Uh, so I saw State of the Unity, which is uh, uh, treacly and insipid. Uh, oh, it's, good. Uh, Another insipid. That's great. Good, good week. Uh, State of the Unity is about a uh, husband-wife folk rock duo called the Bergamot. Okay. And they're from... Uh, Indiana. One of those you could, you could make that shit
0: up and I would yeah. not fight you. I'd be like, they're not from Indiana. They're from Iowa and you know it.
1: No <laughs> yes, idea. they're from South Bend, Indiana. That's right. Okay. Um, they're from Indiana and they're a, a little bit... Hippified. They like to play hippie, kind of hippie mm-hmm. folk music about positivity in their lives. And uh, the the film briefly takes us through where they grew up. They're local. They're from South Bend, Indiana. Yeah, we went to this high school, went to this high school. And, uh, you know, they, they didn't travel abroad. and kind of have local lives. And they looked out at the world in uh, 2015. They went on this tour. So it was a while back. And they said, the country is really divided. Mm -hmm. And we need unity.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: here's what's really frustrating about this movie. They never really clearly define... What they mean by that what is yeah. unity what do you mean by what do you want us to are, unify about are, and towards what are the differences you're talking about and what what does unity mean to you they yeah. use a lot of these bromides about sort of the po- power of positive thinking and being yeah. unity and i'm waiting mm. for some evangelical thing to drop yeah like for the other shoe to drop like the, oh and it turns out uh because of Love of Jesus, or you know, we're yeah. we're really hardcore Republicans and we need to unify mm-hmm. unify around those ideas. Mm. That never happens, luckily. Ah. Like you're uh, you're waiting with bated breath. Well, how Jesus y is this movie how gonna get? When's the other shoe um, gonna drop? It doesn't. Uh, okay. But what but they do is they say we're going to go on this tour and we're going to spread unity throughout you know our version this kind of very vaguely positive version of unity throughout the country by playing a gig in each one of the fifty United States. Okay. They don't go to Alaska or Hawaii. So forth. So the contiguous. 48. Contiguous forty-eight. Okay. That's uh, not by a lot
0: of unity. You're leaving two out and Guam. And Puerto Rico. And the Virgin Islands. Yeah, yeah. No, fuck
1: no, off. The protectorates don't get unity at all. Oh, poor um, sure but, but the thing is, they have... Um, uh, at the start of the journey, they have this rather old station wagon. They're going to drive around the entire country and and illogically they don't go uh, like on a route that would take them geographically throughout the United States. Like it's they, something that
0: makes sense. It's like we're yeah. gonna
1: we're gonna start in New York, and then we're gonna go to Florida, and then we're gonna go over to Colorado, and then we're gonna go yeah. back to Michigan. Like they're all over the country. Weird. And in fact, there's a scene late in the movie where the car rolls over three hundred thousand miles, which doesn't happen to cars. <laughs> It reminds unless, me of, unless you have like a German car that was made in during the the more vitriolically Nazi time of the country, uh, it's not gonna last that long.
0: There was this one weird joke um, they had in the Brady Bunch. Hmm. I can't remember if it was the show where the movies are both, where uh, they would always go on a vacation to two places that had that were not even close. Like we're gonna go on vacation this summer to Greece and
1: Hawaii. What? <laughs> <laughs> To to random locations Dude, on the globe couldn't be almost couldn't be further it was, apart. It's one of those games where you spin the globe and just put your finger down to stop it. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. where you go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're driving all around. They're playing these gigs. The if ED you is not in Europe, if you know local music, this will all be familiar to you. Okay, because there's scene after scene of them loading up the, the stuff into the car, mm-hmm. how you know they weren't able to get the motel for the night. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big crises is um, one of the band members' uh, father dies and they have to go to his memorial service, but they're on the road. How are they going to be able to get back on time? Uh, they start weighing if they have enough time to get coffee before yeah. they head to their next gig because they have just enough time to like drive to their next gig. Right. Uh, everything's really, really desperate. At one point, uh, somebody breaks their window and tries to steal their shit. And they sing a song about it. One of the songs they play Yeah. for a a movie that's about a musical tour. There's a frustratingly small amount of music. It's actually a lot of interviews Mm. and the gimmick of this tour is at every one of their gigs, they're going to stop hand pens to the audience members and they get to sign the car. So, every person okay. gets. So, as they go along, the car is just going to be completely covered by signatures, which it is by the end.
0: Okay. And there's scene Good. after
1: scene of people asking about the signatures on the car, and they sort of explain again. Yes, it's about unity. And they talk to a lot of these people. What does unity mean to you? It means coming together and being friendly. Some people tell some personal stories. Mm-hmm. Mostly, it's just people being very vaguely positive. And they try to get. Mm-hmm. Add a little bit of credence to this by in- interviewing like professors, and they don't have Can a. Can you be lot a professor of... in Unity? What are they a professor of? Uh, it's like so, there's a sociologist, okay. and All I right. think a psychologist,
0: okay, All and right. they also
1: get uh, a sitting senator. And, okay. But none of them have anything really substantive to say because you can't say anything
0: substantive about a concept as vague as unity. Unity. It's like you we're, were. It sounds like it sounds like something you give like a kid like you're gonna you're gonna give a speech in class Why? about some general subject it, it, and yeah, they just make it starts, unity
1: actually starts to feel a little bit like like a, a peanuts cartoon and yeah. here's what unity means to me yeah um, like it, if if it had cal- if this movie had calcified around like. An actual idea that would have been nice. Mm. The idea of unity sounds very positive, doesn't it? And yeah. I, it surely means a lot to the members of the Bergamot. But uh it doesn't read in this movie that they're making for like fifty dollars. I appreciate. How old are they? They're they're adults. They're like in their late thirties. Yeah, you're in your late thirties. You should understand. There's more to it than
0: that. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the thing that I just can't get
1: wrap my And head a a big part of the movie is they. Uh, they're traveling through i forgot what city it was but in 2016 during the big republican national convention oh yeah when donald trump was uh, mm. running for president right and they don't you can tell they're trying to avoid saying negative negative or positive things about any politicians yeah like they're saying they want they, unity right they, they, they want, want everyone to yeah they want unity and it's really frustrating because they don't really realize that how politicized their messages kind of are yeah this idea, like, let's reach across, let's find unity. Well, there's a lot you can actually address to that effect. And yeah. you're kind of, like, skating past a lot of it. If you try to achieve unity without acknowledging...
0: The, and d- trying the divide. To, yeah, yeah, without acknowledging the divide and exploring what is valid or, in, or in, perhaps in some cases invalid about that divide... um then you're just looking for a photo op. You're not actually yeah, the, like, uh, you actually, cause the, the things that divide us in this country right now aren't superficial things. There's a lot of like, Fundamental philosophical differences. Yeah and, yeah, and like, and and very, very polarized. Like, uh, hey, I would like to exist and live my life. And other people are like, we'd rather you didn't. And we would like to create laws that prevent you from even expressing your personal identity in public without fear of literally getting thrown in jail how are you supposed to find unity there that's Mm. that's i'm not saying it's not a a goal that we would be like to find but that's a that's a lot yeah that's not like we disagree on the way to do a task that we both agree needs to be done like oh i don't think we're moving fast enough or Mm. i think we should pursue this avenue instead of this avenue we want fundamentally different things. Compromise is not something that you can just do by signing a car. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's So I, I appreciate the sort of the symbol of what they're doing, but yeah. ultimately it feels really frustratingly shallow. Like, I yeah. appreciate all the hard work they went to. I admire local musicians, by the sure. way. I've seen a lot of local musicians. Uh, I... Admire their devotion to their craft and how difficult it is and Mm -hmm. how how much it sucks to haul gear and how little money you get and how Mm -hmm. the people who own venues stiff you out of your pay. Uh, All of these are very real dramas and all of that's captured in State of the Unity. Uh, It's it's so common as like this is almost a generic version of that. Mm. Uh, That's just the way bands have to live. Uh, What is not acknowledged in this movie and what frustrates me the most though is they're folk musicians, mm-hmm. like folk rock. Okay. You go back a couple generations, go back to like mm-hmm. my parents' generation. Mm-hmm. Folk rock was aggressively political. Oh yeah, it was well, protest Woody Guthrie, music. Guthrie, Bob Dylan, Bob, Bob fucking Dylan, for God's yeah, sake! Like um, these
0: were not these were not milk toast, mm. you know, bromides. Mm. These were actually like in your face, yeah,
1: I, trying to talk about what's going on in this country and you know, in, in our culture. Like, the, the, yeah. how, how many people have to die before weapons are banned? The answer is blowing in the wind. Like, that sounds kind yeah. of romantic when you get to the chorus, but they're they're it's, addressing it's, it's problems. Heavy, yeah, it's yeah, heavy, yeah, you know, It's kind of, kind of a sad song. Yeah. Uh, they're singing these songs about unity, and it's it's like they're, they're folk musicians who don't know how to protest. Like, they don't know what they're protesting or what, like, their message is supposed to be. Sounds like characters be. out of a mighty wind. A, a little bit. It's like, yeah. you know, they're concerned with... The aesthetics of folk, but they're not mm. so, and I like their sound. Okay. But they're not so, uh, they're a little too personal. They're a little, you know, husband and wife duo. They're just sort of singing about the things that happen to them in life.
0: hmm
1: Like I said, somebody breaks into their car, they wrote a song about how somebody broke into their car. Yeah. What was that they song? don't write a song about economic inequality. Right. Or the reason, or the, you know, the, the person who breaks into cars because they're desperate. Mm-hmm. You're just like, you were a dick, you broke into her car. Here's a yeah. song about it. Did you ever see, uh, it came out know,
0: like five years ago now,
1: Band-Aid? I didn't see Band-Aid. It but was really know, yeah. cute.
0: Yeah, it's about, uh, uh, Zoe Lister-Jones wrote and directed it. And uh, she stars in it as well. And it's about a married couple. I think they're in like, their 30s They've been together for a while. And their relationship is dying. Hmm. Like, it's going real bad. They're fighting more and more. And they decide that they're going to turn their fights into songs that's how they're gonna try to work through their problems they're gonna take the actual fights that they're having and use that as lyrics and create music and you know what as an indie film a low budget kind of thing that's actually kind of cool yeah and explores the way that people making music like not on you know the taylor swift scale uh uh-huh are making music that matters. Maybe it only matters to a few people, but it matters. And that's actually kind of like noble and awesome. And that's a fictional film obviously, but like I agree with that. I think that could be really cool. And I think having more uh, it's almost like um Anvil, the story of Anvil.
1: <laughs> right. Which is a
0: great documentary about a heavy metal band that nobody really gave a shit about.
1: Hmm.
0: And but they kept playing <laughs> anyway. And there's a certain nobility to that. And it's one of my favorite rock documentaries ever. I'm not an expert mm. in the genre, but it's definitely one of my favorites because yeah, it's I'd about see. that can-do spirit. It's about mm. that, you know, making do with, you know, at at, at at what point do you just say, do we just
1: keep doing this until we die, or do yeah. we ever admit defeat? What do we do? But, but this is all we know. Like, yeah, we're these like long-haired Canadian guys in their sixties at that point. It's yeah. like, do we are we still metal guys? And naturally, they're big in Japan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, they, find, they find an audience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it so closely mirrors Spinal Tap, I thought the movie was a spoof at first. Yeah. It's actually a true story. Um, yeah, it's lovely. I
0: love that I love that. Doc.
1: There's a really great film called, uh, well, it's not a great film, but it's an interesting film called Light of Day with mm-hmm. Michael J. Fox and Joan Jett in one of her few acting roles. Oh, uh, I, I haven't seen that one. She's playing a, a very Joan Jett-like character and they're brother and sister and she wants to be a rocker and he wants to follow her on the road. But he's beginning to see that a practical life might be needed, like mm-hmm. actually getting a job. And she's like, no, I'm going to give it all up for rock, man. There's a scene early on where they're trading their favorite band names. And Michael J. Fox, who's also Canadian, is like, what are your favorite bands? Oh, I like Aerosmith. Yeah, I like Crew. And like, how about you? And he's sort of walking out backwards He says, Anvil. It is the only <laughs> pop culture reference I've ever heard to Anvil. And it came out in 1985. And it predates that documentary. No, like yeah. maybe after the documentary by, there might be yeah, a few 30 but like years it, 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 yeah 20 that's 30, amazing. 30 years it predates the documentary that's amazing so Good michael j for... fox was hip enough to to name check anvil in a movie in like 1985 or at least the screenwriter was. was but yeah no I, i'm pretty sure it was michael j fox <laughs> okay. probably improvised that line it'd be fun to think about hmm. anyway
0: um the uh, last thoughts are we just uh, no, I've said all it, right yeah. all right well it's time to review our movies on the critically acclaimed scale if you're new. Here's how it works. Uh, we go through each movie and we discuss it on a scale of C minus to C plus, just to give it, you know, like an actual clear answer of like where we stand. Because sometimes we go all over the place. Uh, a C plus is a movie that we consider above average, and whatever that entails. It might be an instant classic. It might merely be quite good. But either way, we definitely recommend them. A C is a movie that is average um they may be more for one audience than another but generally speaking they're a bit of a mixed bag and then there is c minus that is below average those are movies that whether we think they're terrible or just not particularly good we don't recommend mm. just in general uh and on that note whitney uh state of the unity state
1: of the unity at c minus oh, um it's it's it needs, it needs thrust. It needs more than just sort of this cute gimmick of people signing cars and you know, these vague bromides about unity. Yeah. Uh, what are you, What is it really about? Please tell me. That would have been nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Scrapper. Scrapper, uh, C+. Mm. Uh, I really dug this movie. I'm really it's, glad you liked it, it's, too. It, yeah, yeah, like I said, it, it, it plays with a great variety of tones. I love mm-hmm. the main characters. Uh, I love sort of the emotional journey, how it sort of, pinwheels uh, in that kid-friendly kind of a way mm-hmm. between uh, something that's really kind of light and fun and dismissive through things that are very genuine and hard yeah. to deal with. It's it's just really well-textured.
0: No, I, I agree. I think it's it's got some formulaic elements. This is definitely the kind of movie that would come out of Sundance, and it did. It did come out of Sundance. It won an award there. Uh, but I think it shows just how much you can take a familiar type of tale, but... Through the perspective, through the lens, through the personality of a specific filmmaker, and with the right cast, it can still feel very fresh and special. Yeah, uh, and I just think that the cast is sparkling. Yeah, just yeah. absolutely incredible cast. Uh, love them to pieces. I want to see more from this filmmaker. Um, I just I would have fallen in love with this at almost any time in my life. If I saw it as a little kid, I would have loved it. If I saw it as a teenager, I would have loved it any other time I would have been like this movie's great <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. highly recommend a big old C plus for me uh, let's see here Eight Found Dead Eight Found
1: Dead oh it's it's a, a C minus you know what? it's a C okay it's right on feeling, the edge there nice. yeah, yeah I'm, feel... I'll be generous to Eight okay. Found Dead um, it's because it just because of its narrative ambition it's doing mm. something kind of unique with this n- relatively new genre of the, the mm. creepy B&B um Give it some bonus points. They'll give it a little, little bit of bonus points. Okay. So, yeah, so, some wild characters, some fun kills. Yeah. Not a waste of time. So, yeah, I'll give it a C. All
0: right. And lastly, The Nun, too, is a huge C Oh, golly, screen. is it ever? Yeah. It's I not agree. the worst conjuring movie, but that says more about the conjuring movies than it does about The Nun. It's also not like painful. It's just weirdly it's just stupid. Bo- <laughs> it's weirdly boring for a lot of it. It's weirdly unambitious. Um, it doesn't even come up with good excuses for its jump scares a lot of the time. Like it just, I would, again, I argue that the nun, which I also don't think is particularly good, at least engages you while you're watching it so that you're not thinking to yourself, I could be doing something else right now. Like my taxes, like the nun too, is one of those movies where like, I could be doing my taxes. (laughs) Like that's where I'm at with the nun too. It's a big old bummer. So it's a big old C minus. And then you
1: as well. C-. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'll also give it a C minus. All
0: right, uh, next time on Critically Acclaimed, we'll be reviewing some other films.
1: Yes, yes, we will. <laughs> uh, there's, there's Pablo a, there's Lorraine another has, there's an... another uh, Poirot movie coming out. That's next right. Week. That's yeah. i trying
0: to th- I always blank about what's coming out. All All like, right. I always forget to write it down. A Haunting in Venice is a new Poirot film starring Kenneth Branagh and Michelle Yeoh. Uh, Pablo Lorraine is back with a new. Uh, uh, Kind of biopic, but this time it's also a vampire movie called El Conda. Um, so, um, el, el, el Conde. Yeah. El Conde. I, I'm bad with accents. Um, and other things as well, I'm sure we will find. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for sticking around. If you want to talk about anything we discussed in this episode, share your own thoughts. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We might read your email in an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail. Whitney,
1: what is our PO Box? That yeah, is a physical letter to uh, the Critically Acclaimed Network, PO Box 641565, Los Angeles, California at 90064. Yep. If you want to listen to this
0: episode and future episodes of our podcasts ad free, you can head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com critically acclaimed network. We also have a big library of exclusive podcasts. Just on our Patreon page at various tiers, uh, including but not limited to uh, Only the Best, where we review every single film ever nominated for Best Picture. We just released a new episode of that, covering all the Best Picture nominees in 1953. A very interesting crop of films. Yes. It was a really good conversation, and it's one of my favorite episodes we've done of it in a while. Um, we do commentary tracks. We're working on one of those right now. Uh, we do, uh, 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 all our yesterdays. It's our Star Trek podcast. We review every episode of Star Trek ever. We just did an episode in which we reviewed one of the most controversial episodes of Trek ever. Mm-hmm. And so that was a very interesting conversation. Um, and, and a lot more besides we have big old libraries of, uh, shows that we've done that are, that finished, that finished their run. We covered every single episode of the Adam West Batman that is a complete library of podcasts that you can access. So, thank you to every one of our patrons who helps us keep the show going. We couldn't do it without you. Uh, and if you can't afford to contribute, we get it. Times are really, really hard. But you want to help the show, uh, please leave us a review wherever you find us. Just take yeah. one minute out of your day, give a star rating, type a sentence. Whatever. Be honest. Doesn't have to be a five star. Just be honest about how you feel about it. So that would... We'd be hypocrites if we said otherwise. Um, So thank you, everybody, once again. Thank you for being you. Have a wonderful week. And never forget, everyone is a critic.
1: I want to go to the midnight show. I'm sorry, what?